everybody. Welcome to Brotherly Pod. Here it is Wednesday, September 13, 2023 here. And we are drawing ever closer to the start of the 2023-24 season. Rookie camp is one of these days. We're only a couple days away from the, uh, the, the rookie games against the Rangers. I believe that's what, Friday and Saturday? PPL Center. So, in anticipation of the season getting started, we're going to sit down. I'm flying solo today, by the way. Who needs co-hosts when you're down the Flyer fan, right? And we're going to talk about the state of this roster as we go into the, 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 the preseason and training camps and what we're looking at here. And, you know, we've broken it down on a couple shows uh, during the offseason and the couple that we've done since we uh, came back here for season six and... You know, I put a piece out on BrotherlyPuck.com today about old John Tortorella here, who is at, you know, the the crux, the center of this rebuild, and how he approaches this team is going to ultimately decide a lot of factors, including the pace of the rebuild that is in front of them. And he's an interesting character right now because it's a very much kind of an old dog, new trick scenario, right? And... For what it's worth, right off the bat, John Tortorella is a guy who I think did a very good job last season. I think on the whole, he was the best thing to happen in this organization in a very, very long time, right? But the key factor there is this organization is not in a position to rest on their laurels. You know, you can't go, well, Tortorella did a couple good things last year, so we're going to assume. You know, so many of the offseason roster moves that we have talked about, you know, at length on these shows... We're done in his image, right? They kept connecting Lawton because he liked him in their leadership. They bit the bullet on Kevin Hayes and Tony D'Angelo, despite the fact that it's going to cost them $6 million for multiple years for the pleasure of getting away from them because Tortorella did not like either one of them. And then they bring in these outside guys like Mark Stahl and Garnet Hathaway and Ryan Paling here to fill these depth roles with these good character John Tortorella guys that he likes so much. And then the question becomes, how do they get utilized under the guise of a rebuild that the team is in? And this is where everything kind of falls apart for myself personally. And I realize, depending on who you're talking to out there, you're going to get different variations of this, and people have made excuses all summer long for the deployment of Stahl and Hathaway and why they're here and all this shit. And When did that trend even emerge, by the way? Strictly from a fan perspective, I mean, this was just a few years ago. Were there people that were rooting for Yori Laterra to play in the lineup over Oscar Lindblom? Were there people that were, you know, rooting for Andrew McDonald to play in the lineup over Travis Sanheim? Was that a thing and I just don't remember it? Or is this strictly because, like, it's a Danny Breer move and thus they like it more? You know, they're making the excuses now. Like, I cannot imagine anybody enjoying... The fact that Mark Stahl is a part of this roster in, like, December. But it begs the question of how much ice time are these guys going to get? You already have Nick Sealer here. You know, this blue line being as crowded as it is, you know, it's a rebuild. And, like, that... If you were looking to compete this year and you wanted two depth guys like Mark Stahl and Nick Sealer there to do whatever it is they're going to do... Okay, fine, whatever. Probably not the best idea still if you want to be competitive, but, you know, whatever. 
When you've got guys like Igor Zamula and Ronnie Adderd who could make up that third pair role that are not necessarily young in their own right. Zamula's going to be 24. I believe Adderd's going to be, what, 25? 25, yeah. These are guys that should be getting this time. And they're not. At least not on paper going to get that much time. And, like, it's hard because, going back to Tortorella for a second, like, he did a lot of good things last year. Right. You know, he developed Noah Cates you know, transitioned in from a winger to a center and, you know, garnered selkie consideration, you know, and may have more of that going into next season as he continues to develop. He did right with Owen Tippett, you know, played him primarily in the top six. He set career new highs in his first year. And then you had guys like Frost and York, who there were definitely some hiccups along the way, considering York's been half the season in the AHL. But when they were utilized, they were given shakes. Now, Zamula was here last season for a little bit and didn't really get that opportunity. Ollie Lexell was another guy they called up, and he rode the bench for weeks at a time. You know, but on the whole, and the key pieces it made it, but the thing is, is you cannot quantify that as a success again this season. There needs to be more. It's not just about keeping Cates, York, and Frost on the straight and narrow. Now you have to add another half dozen guys. Tyson Forrester, Elliot Denoyer, Bobby Brink, Zamula, Adderd, Andre, Lexell. You know, there are a lot of guys here that should be incorporated in this roster, and the sheer numbers game is going to make sure that doesn't happen, at least not with any kind of regularity. I do think in, you know, a lot of the depth cases here, both at forward and defense, I think you're going to see a lot of movement, a lot of rotational uh, pieces coming in and out. Kind of like we did last year towards the end of the season. You know, Daynoy got called up for a handful of games. Then Forrester got up, uh, called up for a handful of games and sent down. And then Lexel got called up and sent down. So we'll call, you know, I think you're probably going to see a lot of that with the guys that are waiver exempt. Um, but if they can't get over their love affair for Nick Sealer and Mark Stahl, then these young guys aren't going to... And, like, listen, Zamula and Adder are not your blue-chip prospects. I realize that. I'm not saying that they are, right? But they could be more than serviceable depth pieces who in time could be a part of this roster regularly. But you, they're not guys like Kale McCarr that are going to show up and just transition flawlessly to the NHL. They're going to take their bumps and bruises. They're going to make the mistakes. And in Zamula's case last season, when he started the year, he had, some, he had his good games, then he had his rough games. And every time he had a rough game, he would go in the press box for another week. You know, I don't I don't like that learning, especially now that you're in a rebuild. This is what a rebuild is for. You're supposed to be playing your prospects. And I was genuinely surprised at how unpopular of an opinion that was this summer. Every time I brought that up on Twitter, people argued about it. You know, they justified the presence of guys like Mark Stahl and Paling and these random depth nobodies. And I just can't wrap my mind around that. I can't fathom that that is a stance we are taking in 2023. Why not play the... I, I, <laughs> you know, Tyson Forster is the interesting one. We talked about this on on the Monday show with, uh, with Spots, but does Forster even make the roster? Like, Tanner Lezinski is the odd man out, obviously. Wade Allison is the other one in question, and that would be the ultimate last spot there is one of those middle six wingers, probably third line, right? Does Forrester play on a regular basis? Does he start the season in the AHL? Just due to a sheer numbers game? You know, if Atkinson comes back healthy? You know, do I, why do you not have a spot carved out for Forrester? 
there should be a guaranteed spot, and there is not. He should make it. He may make it, for all we know. It's early yet. You know, we'll, we'll get a better taste of where he's at, you know, during uh, the preseason training camp. You know, if he showed up to play, he may earn his spot. If he did not show up and, you know, 100% earn it, Tortorella's going to send him to the AHL. Like, there is a chance all of your top prospects are in the AHL right now. And that blows my mind under the guise of a rebuild. It's the thing that just breaks my brain, you know. And then to go on Twitter and have these fucking idiot fans defend that shit. And it begs the question, what's the point of drafting? Why are we wasting all of this time doing this Ron Hextall song and dance again of drafting? Oh, well, this prospect's going to be great. Oh, man, the fly the seventh round pick that I drafted. Oh, he's going to be great. He's going to be the Why bother hyping up these guys if you're just going to give up on them once they get to the AHL before ever giving them a fair shake in the NHL. That was a Hextall problem. Remember all those guys? The Buttermans and Ratcliffs and Shushkos and, you know, they weren't top guys, but they may have been some that never really got a shake, you know? Well, I'm pretty sure all of them at least got some level of NHL experience, even in the very minor roles that it were. And on the whole, I do think a lot of these guys from this era, the Chuck Fletcher draft picks, have significantly higher ceilings than anybody Ron Hextall did, right? Bobby Brink and Ronnie Adderd have higher ceilings than Wyatt Wiley and Jay O'Brien. You know, on the whole, it's going to be better. Like, why not give him a chance? It's just, it's frustrating. And listen, they're probably all going to see NHL East time. You know, as I just alluded to, you may get the rotational spots of this guy's getting recalled and this guy's getting recalled. But what it does beyond all that is it really stalls the development deeper in your system. And if Forrester and Brink both start the season in the AHL, which is a possibility right now, then Sam Tuomala, who's making the jump from Finland, and Zade Wisdom, who was already the odd man out last season, are not going to get the opportunity to grow at the right wing position with the Phantoms because they're going to have to cater to Forrester and Brink. You're really, it stalls everything else when you stall the top guys. And when you stall those top guys in favor of fucking Nick Delorier and <laughs> I just, my brain, my brain hurts at these justifications, at this random depth stuff. And this is where John Tortorella is going to have to make the tough calls. You know, he's going to have to be the one to play the youth over the vets, and it just isn't going to happen. They did not bring in Mark Stahl for no reason. Mark Stahl is here for a reason, and it is to play. 36 years old. Left-handed defenseman. You didn't even need a left-handed defenseman. You know, if Mark Stahl was a right-shot guy, you can at least go, all right, fine, there's your number eight right-handed defenseman. You're going to use him for depth and leadership, whatever. Now he's a lefty. Sealer's also a lefty. Are they both just going to play every night? Nick Sealer, if you remember, Nick Sealer was the one over the last few years that people were forced to play on their offside because of it. Cam York, when he got called up and played with uh, Sealer originally, forced to play on the right side. Samula forced to play on the right side. You have to cater to Nick Sealer. What happens? Who takes priority between Stahl and Sealer for that third pair left spot? They're probably going to play together at some point this year. I can't wait. I can't wait for that pair. I can't wait for Mark Stahl to play every night. Because I can't wait to see what the fan reaction is. 
all the justification, whether you love him because you're a fucking Danny Bray or Mark, and you're going to support anything this guy does, or you love Mark Stahl because of his personal beliefs, like, whatever your case is for pretending this guy is good, I can't wait when he's playing every night and people start complaining. I can't wait. You know, icing the fourth line of Delore, Hathaway, and Paling. I mean, listen, that is a Stanley Cup caliber fourth line right there. I bet the Tampa Bay Lightning would kill to have that as their fourth line. Vegas, you know, teams that, that are competitive. Now, why the Flyers are building their fourth line to be, you know, this high end when the rest of their roster is complete trash, you know, one of the greater mysteries of life, I suppose. But, like, their presence, and it's not Hathaway, right? It's not just Hathaway. It's the fact that they kept Travis Konechny on the roster. It's the fact that Cam Atkinson's coming back. It's the fact that, you know, Owen Tippett has established himself as an NHLer. You know, there are so many right wings here that make this one. And you know what? I trust this, too. Wrote a piece about Wayne Simmons last week, just for funsies, you know, talking about how the organization loves to pander and they're trying to focus on leadership, so why not bring back Wayne Simmons? And you can read, these replies are on Twitter, by the way. You can all see, and people are like, but Daniel, Wayne Simmons is going to block the kids, Daniel. Now, mind you, these were all the same people that just a few months ago justified to the kids staying in the AHL in favor of Garnet Hathaway. But even somebody like Simmons, who would be your 13th forward who plays a dozen games this season and serves primarily as the leadership guy, you know, that would be the ideal role for someone like Mark Stahl and Garnet Hathaway and this stuff, but that's not going to happen. These are going to be regular guys in the lineup. But it's funny that people got so angry at the idea of bringing back Wayne Simmons because he's old and washed up. Meanwhile, they're justifying the guys that they did sign. <laughs> it's like... I don't know, man. Forrester should be here. And if Forrester's not here because they did not create enough movement, and then he's in the AHL and all your AHL prospects get stalled, like, this should be a gigantic fucking problem because it stalls the rebuild. You're not making any progress. And to me, I think that's probably the most overall frustrating experience that this congestion creates is the idea that you're entering a rebuild, quote-unquote, but you're doing it in a sense that you're not actually making any progress this year. You know, you're not seeing what you have with your in-house talent. Even if they all play games and you get senses of what they can do, if Igor Zamula only plays 25 games, you have no idea if this guy can be a full-time NHLer or not. If Ronnie Adder spends three-fourths of the season in the AHL but gets a recall, you have no idea if he's part of the future or not. And I think that is the most critical part of this season, and it's going to be the one thing that probably is not going to happen. Even if they all see NHL ice time, they're not going to see enough NHL ice time because they're going to cater to these depth players. And that should be a thing that I feel like everyone should be getting annoyed about. And I feel like once the season starts, it probably will. Like, I think once the disasters start to unfold on the ice, people are not going to be so friendly towards these random depth guys anymore like they were during the offseason. But, you know, on the whole, I, I, I don't understand wasting time. You know, it just feels like every few years, someone comes along and tries to reinvent the wheel when it comes to a rebuild. You know, and Ron Hextall came in and said, well, we're going to draft, but we're never going to sell out of any of our, our main roster pieces. And we're just going to hope that the picks we make come in and support Drew and Simmons and Katuri and all this shit. And then by the time we even got to that point, Giroux and Voracek, they were all in their mid-fucking-30s. 
You know, that ship had sailed because the timeline never matched up. And now you're kind of seemingly doing that again. Konechny is going to be 27. Scott Lawton who's going to be 30. You know, even Noah Case is already 24. He's going to be 25 in the spring. Morgan Frost is going to be 25. Like, a lot of these guys, if you're waiting even just three years for Mitchkov to show up, you know, they're going to be aged out of the window of competitors. So why not sell high on them now and then play the kids in their place? You know, you don't have to commit to Ronnie Adderd for 10 years if he doesn't play well. Even though it's the Flyers, so let's be real. They'll probably commit to him 10 years even if he doesn't play well. But at least see what you have here. At least give these guys the proper playing time and a rebuild. And I feel like... <laughs> I know I've brought this up a couple of times in the show, but it's just the, the shit that I have heard people justify this summer when it comes to this level of... You know, how to handle a proper rebuild is just ridiculous. I think a lot of it is just Danny Breer loyalty, right? He's not Chuck Fletcher, even though he was Chuck Fletcher's right-hand man, but don't remind people on that. But, I don't know, why waste a season? So what, you're going to keep, you know, Zamula's going to play number seven defenseman because he's on a one-way contract, so he's probably at least going to be on the NHL roster, and what, keep Adder in the AHL and just bring him up next year when Stall and Sealer's contracts are up? You pissed away a whole year for what? You know? I don't think this roster is bad enough to tank. You know, and, and, and again, part of this whole rebuilding philosophy here. If this roster was set up to tank and you were icing 23 fucking Mark Stahl washed up fucking nobodies out there, I feel like this would be a different story. But you didn't do that. And you didn't do that in part because guys like Lawton and Konechny are still here. Your keys to the future are still here. And as we talked about on Brotherly Pod on Monday, a lot of these guys, if they go away, if you got rid of Konechny and Farabee and Travis Sanheim, their replacements are going to be Denoyer, Forrester, and Andre, who may be better than the players they're replacing in the first place, right? So even if even if they sold off and worked in-house, even if the injuries pop up this season to some of their key players, the guys that are going to be chomping at the bit to get here, the Brinks, the Forsters, the Denoyers, the, the Andres, the Adders, the Giddings even, you know, those are the guys that are going to come up and play probably just as good as their veteran cohorts that are up on this roster right now. So, I don't know. If you were, if you tore it down and you wanted to ice these random depth guys, hey, more power to you. But that's not what's happening here. You know, this roster, I made the prediction, and I'm sticking by it, I've not given an official win total and or point total yet. But I do think, mathematically, the Flyers will be closer to the second wildcard spot than they will be a bottom five finish. Because there's talent here. There's a lot of talent here. Both at the NHL and AHL level. And now it's about kind of commingling the two into one main roster to move forward. And it just... They could do it, and I feel like I need to reinforce this perspective, right, of everything could work out. Forrester could make the roster and play all 82 games. They could call up Denoye and uh, Melandre relatively quickly and, and let them establish themselves. You know, there's a good chance that at some point the veteran charm wears off from some of these guys, right? You know, if Sealer goes back to, you know, 21-22 version of Sealer when he was a disaster. If Mark Stahl looks every bit of 36 years old. Maybe they come to their senses and say, all right, you know, it's time to play Adderd and, on, uh, Adderd, Adderd and uh, Andre regular. There you go. All these fucking similar names. 
things could still work. John Tortorella can handle this right. I do think that's a possible outcome to this season. But it may be pulling teeth in order to get to that point, right? Or it may not happen at all. They may just run with Sealer install for a vast majority of the season. Maybe Zamula tags in every now and again, probably on the fucking right side, because of course they would never play him on his natural left side. But the larger question, and the one thing that I've questioned all summer, is why put yourself in that position to begin with during a rebuild? Why even have these random depth guys that you have to fight off anyway that John Tortorella is going to favor in the first place? Why are they here right now? What purpose do they serve in the current state of the Flyers? You know. Oh, Mark Stahl's here for leadership, Daniel. Remember when Andrew McDonald was here for leadership and how we felt about that one? You know, at what point does that... There are people out there that you could have brought in that had leadership abilities, that had talent, that were actually there. You know, Matt Dumba signed a one-year contract with the Coyotes. Vladimir Tarasenko signed a one-year contract with the Ottawa Senators. Those are guys that have something to pass on as far as knowledge is concerned. Those are guys like Tyson Forster learning from Vladimir Tarasenko. That should have been a reality. If you can sit here and justify the Flyers putting over $5 million into Hathaway, Paling, and Mark Stahl, then you should have no problem if the Flyers put $5 million into Vladimir Tarasenko. I believe Dumba was $3 million. Like, those are guys... And you know what? For the purposes of flipping them at the trade deadline. What do people honestly think Mark Stahl is going to get at the trade deadline? What are we dealing with here? Like, at absolute best. If everything goes right and every fucking last star in the universe aligns, what is Mark Stahl going to do? Fifth round pick? Ooh! Who fucking cares? So we can draft some random dude that everyone will overhype and then give up on when he makes it to the AHL like they've done everybody before him. <laughs> this is fucking ridiculous. You know, Duba would have served that role and you could have flipped him at the deadline for an actual asset. Same goes for Tarasenko. There were smarter moves if you insisted on bringing in outside people for some unfucking godly forsaken reason to do this. There were better options out there. There were more feasible options for the state of this team. But these guys were brought in under the watchful eye of John Tortorella, who was forcing Danny Breer, probably at gunpoint, to make these fucking moves. To bring in Mark Stahl, to bring in Garnet Hathaway. You know, even if Hathaway is a very good fourth liner, even if he and Delorier are, you know, two of the better fourth line enforcer, grinders, whatever you want to call them, in the league today, why are they here right now when the Flyers are going to win fucking 30 games? This isn't a playoff team. This isn't a team that needs these guys. You know, and at least they're fourth liners, so it doesn't particularly matter, right? None of your prospects should be playing seven minutes a night in the fourth line anyway. But it's more on the merit of the lineup as a whole, right? Scott Lawton can play lower in the lineup. You know, Noah Cates can take a, a third-line role. And Wade Allison and Lazinski on the fourth line. You know, let them handle the nothing minutes and propel Forrester into top six minutes. And let Danoye play top six minutes. You know, these are things that should have happened. And it might. You know, I will I there is the part of me that believes the Flyers are gonna do this right sooner or later. You know, I I think most of these guys are probably gonna get the Cam York treatment, right? Where you're gonna start in the AHL and when everyone realizes you're head and shoulders above the rest of the competition there, then you move to the NHL. So this may be a process. 
But it just, it doesn't need to be a process. It didn't need to be a process. Elliot Dana doesn't have to spend three months in the AHL waiting for Sean Couturier to end up in a retirement home to make this move. Just make that call right now! Don't sign Ryan Paling. You already have Sean Couturier coming back. Like, you didn't need another center right now. Especially one that's going to take this ice time. And there's Mark Stahl. Remember fucking Keith Yandel, by the way? Did people make excuses for that one, too? There's another guy I missed earlier. Keith Yandel. So, I mean, it's essentially the same comparison. Some random 36-year-old you dragged out of Florida who's long past his prime. Gonna be the same thing. There are just so many bodies. So many random dudes. <laughs> and you pull up Cab Friendly, and it's just completely overwhelming looking at these list of names. At, at basically the AHL and NHL level. It's just everybody. There's a vast majority, at least three quarters of every name in the organization right now could reasonably play at the NHL level this season. That's crazy. Like, the prospects being NHL caliber is a good thing, but, uh, you know, there's not a single ounce of talent here that's going to stand above the rest. I think Forrester and Andre are probably your best bets of that happening right now. And again, there's a chance neither one of them makes the roster. It's just, there's so many fucking people here. And it will be funny, though, when, you know, this roster has a lot of money committed to it. The projected cap hit of um, cap friendly right now is uh, 82.6, which is less than a million dollars under the cap. Now, I don't know how if that's figured into Atkinson and Couturier, who are both still listed on IR, and Ellis, whether this is pre or post LTIR Ellis. I've got no idea how they come across that move there, but a lot of money tied up in this roster. And I can't wait if there are overages. This The people that skewered Chuck Fletcher for these overages over the last handful of years. If people want to treat Breer the same way. And you scroll down a little bit further in the 3.6 million in dead space from Kevin Hayes, the 1.6 from uh, Tony D'Angelo, the almost 700K from the Oscar Lindblom buyout, plus the 1.2 overage. What was it from the... Uh, whatever Chuck Fletcher's overage was from last year that's applied to this one. The 1.2, I believe it was. A lot of money tied up in a lot of this uh, roster here. So we'll see, I guess, on how this ends up breaking down. But, yeah, hey, it's going to be a numbers game. And it's going to be up to John Tortorella to make these calls. And I don't know, man. I really don't know. Like, I wish I was more confident about this. You know, it's it's the point I've tried to make all along. And people just don't want to hear this part, right? Because they just want to be angry at old Dan the Flyer fan all the time. But there were ways. If they traded Konechny and Lawton and Sanheim, at least two of the three, and Forrester can walk into this roster and be good, and, you know, Desnoyer could fight for a spot, and Brink was, you know, like, there were ways for this to happen, but they're just, it's not going to anymore. And I find that so frustrating when you start a rebuild that you're not, you didn't open up any spots for your upcoming prospects. There are so many fucking people in the AHL right now that could be fighting for spots. Bobby Brink, Elliot Desnoyer, Ali Lexell, Tyson Forrester, Emil Andre, Adam Ginning had a really good season last year, surprising pretty much everybody. Ronnie Adderd. Like, these are all guys that should be should be competing for spots, should be a part of the roster this season on a regular basis. And who fucking cares? You know, oh, you know, they gotta bring in Mark Stahl to, you know, you know, if you're gonna lose, lose. You know, if Zamula's gonna get lit up every night, then let him get lit up. Who fucking cares? It's a rebuild! 
if you're losing these games and you get a better draft pick, like you're supposed to be doing. Instead, you're going to ice a bunch of fucking random nobodies who are going to carry this team far out of the bottom five so they can draft fucking eighth overall next year. So we can jerk off to yet another goddamn prospect who's never going to be a fucking anything. Because they refuse to tank. They refuse to lose. They refuse to play their own prospects in the meantime through all of that. How am I the only one that gets angry about this stuff? I feel like this should be universally agreed upon in terms of, you know, handling a rebuild and handling prospects. And <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. And you know what? For all the shit people gave me all summer long about Alex Debrinkit, if your goal was to be as competitive a hockey team as possible this year, why not bring him on? It's not like they're trying to tank. It's not like they're openly trying to lose and get the least amount of points possible. They're trying to build a team that's going to miss the playoffs by a substantial margin, but also be way out of lottery contention. What the hell's wrong with that one? Oh, we can't bring in fucking Alex DeBrincat. He's going to score too many. He's going to help him win too many games. That was also something we heard with Tarasenko as well. And it's just like, win too many games. Like, this roster's going to win too many games as is. And it's going to win too many games with just about zero positives to come out of it. So why at least not have a little bit of fun along the way? I cannot believe we live in an era where people just refuse to bring in talent. Where they can come up with every excuse under the book over the last handful of years to not acquire anybody. I think this is a Ron Hextall thing, right? The idea that every player on your roster needs to be homegrown talent. You know, you can't add outside anybody's. Which is a complete and total fallacy, by the way. Just in case anybody needed that refresher. You need outside talent to compose a team. You know, if you can make excuses for Debrincat and Goudreau and all this stuff, because 10 years ago, Ron Hextall said you need to build completely in-house. Like, spoiler alert, there's not a single team that wins the Stanley Cup composed of inside talent. In fact, looking at some of these teams over the last handful of years, I would get probably less than half of them are composed. Did Vegas have any, like, remaining uh, expansion members on their team? I guess they had a couple. But a lot of those guys were outside talents. A lot of those guys are outside talents the Flyers should have pursued. Jack Eichel would have been a great little addition. But no, of course not. Kevin Hayes and Morgan Frost are good enough. So I guess the long and the short of all of this rant, that's now gone for over half an hour, <laughs> is that I don't necessarily believe the Flyers are going to do this right. It's going to be a lot for John Tortorella to overcome the urge to play the Vets. And I do think we're going to see the kids, just not with enough regularity, just not in big enough roles with any kind of thing. And this is ultimately going to amount to a wasted season. The Flyers are going to draft 10th overall, get another random nobody that's not going to contribute to the future. And they're just stuck, you know. And it's frustrating because that's not what this should be. This should have been... A direction. I feel like that's the word, the phrase, the phrase picking a direction is something we've used on this show for years and years and years now. And that's all I wanted. And it doesn't feel like they put one foot in front of the other in a particular path. And this was so much more of the same of everything we've seen for the last 10 years. Uh, we're just reverting back to the Hextall ways of an offseason instead of the Fletcher ways of an offseason. You know, it's not enough progress 
to justify it, to call it a rebuild. It's just a waste of time. They're going to piss away an entire season in the name of securing a random draft pick that's not going to be top five. That doesn't do anybody any good. You're not developing your in-house talent, and you're not adding a game-changing outside talent through the draft. And you're not going to do it in free agency either, because you're going to have 101 fucking excuses against it. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. Hope we can sit here in a few months and look back on this episode and go, ha, ha, ha! Daniel was wrong, and all the vets were lost on waivers or sent to the AHL and the NHL's average age is 23 years old and all these kids are up here playing and they're making progress and we're going to be something soon. But I've been doing this long enough. I don't think it's going to happen. And, you know, it's where the complete disinterest stems from. Yeah, the season starts, I believe, what, training camp is uh, next week. The preseason starts the 25th, which is a week and a half from today. Absolutely zero interest been watching this team this season. Zero. I've never not been excited for a hockey season to start in some form or fashion, except this year. Because I just don't care. Because there's no reason to care, right? Even if this team, as currently constructed, you know, does something, if they can, by the miraculous hand of God, squeeze into the playoffs, it's going to happen very similarly to last season. They're going to be a slow plotting, methodical, hard-nosed team with absolutely zero, you know, creativity, energy, fun. It's not going to be fun. Even if they somehow overperform with this current roster, with or without the prospects, it's going to be fucking agonizing. It's going to be, you know, early 2000s devils bullshit, you know? I, I just... Ugh. And if you can guarantee me Forrester and Brink and Danoye and Zamola and Adderd and all this shit, and they all made the NHL and were playing every night, like, I would watch... Because it's a reason to watch. It's a reason to get invested. But, you know, I'm a phantom season ticket holder. Like, my guess is I'm going to be invested down there watching. Because I'm going to actually get to see these kids play hockey. Because they're not going to make the NHL. And I just don't understand in the greater scheme of what that approach was. Calling it a rebuild and then not rebuilding. Why? We did that once under Hextall and it didn't fucking work. You know, I was hoping for some palpable change, some difference, and we didn't get it. So, I don't know. Well, we shall see. We shall see who's right on this one in a few months. Like, I hope I'm wrong. I hope this season becomes a good foundation for the future and all this stuff makes it, but it's just not gearing up to be that way. And we'll get a much clearer idea over the next few weeks here their once training camp preseason starts and who ultimately makes the roster. And then we'll get a much better idea from that about midway through the season once all the vets lose their charm and see if they call any of the kids up and if they handle full-time roles. So, I don't know. Hopefully they make the roster out of the gate. I'd be happier than a pig in shit if they did something right. But, like I said, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And on that note, everyone, <laughs> I guess we'll call it a day. I've been ranting like a madman for... 36 minutes, so what the hell, right? Call it a day. I don't know when we'll be back sometime with somebody over the next handful of days, I'm sure. Um, yeah, and uh, plenty of shit on the website, brotherlypuck.com, at Dan the Flyer Fan, at Brotherly Puck, at Brotherly underscore pod. Um, the text line, 267-227-0328, if you want to text in questions for Flyer Side Chat, whenever uh, Shane and I sit down to record next time. And uh, until next time, everyone. Goodbye and good nights.
Drop the gloves, let's go!